Hello, everybody, and welcome back to part two of our Bridging the Gap to Leadership podcast on the important topic of cultural communication differences and their impact on student placement experiences. My name is Ariel Jura, and I am a second year physiotherapy student at Canterbury Christchurch University. Joining me here today is my student colleague, Louise. Hello, my name is Louise, and I'm also a second year physiotherapy student at Canterbury Christchurch University. And we are delighted to welcome back our guest speaker, who is a practice educator in Kent, joining us here today to discuss such an important topic. So let's open the floor to reintroduce our guest speaker, Sarah. Hello, thank you for having me. Um, so my name is Sarah. I'm a placement lead in an NHS trust in Kent. Um, my role has currently been for a year and I look after three different um, allied health professionals in terms of their placements. Um, I'm also a physio background and in my spare time, I love supporting students um, and giving them tips on to how to get into physiotherapy, but also supporting them throughout their course. So thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much, Sarah. Um, we just want to say a big thank you for joining us here today and also a big thank you to our listeners for making the time to listen to our part two um, of our podcast on the important topic of cultural communication differences and their impact on student placement experiences. So we will dive straight into our second example from the literature of experiences of cultural communication differences while students are on placements. The second example is um, taken from a study by Sindeno et al. 2023 that stated that students are racially discriminated against due to stereotypical prejudice as another participant recounted that sometimes victimization was vocalized explicitly through racial stereotyping where students were being described by practice educators and colleagues as being aggressive and loud or someone who was abusive and aggressive. So in a scoping review by Montesem et al 2023, medical schools were seen as institutions that failed to prioritize and encourage constructive discussion about ethnicity and cultural diversity. So clearly this has a huge impact on minority students throughout their education and placement experiences. So bringing Sarah in now, we would like to understand your view, Sarah, considering stereotypical prejudice against students. Um, where would you like to see improvements being made? Thank you. Um, I think unfortunately um, this does happen everywhere. Um, in terms of people having stereotypical prejudice, um, whether it is on placement or like in everyday life. Um, I do think it's something that it has to be, if you look at improvement, if you think of improvement, educators just need to think about um, treating everybody the same, regardless of where they're from, their background, etc., what they look like. Um, and also, if you think about it from an educator's point of view, where we've all been students before, would you really want to be judging someone um, in that manner? And if someone did that to you, would you like that? Or would you want to be learning in such an environment? But I think it then goes back to understanding your own um, judgments and why you come up to those judgments. So I think improvements are something that is very individualised. So it's hard to kind of speak on it as a general um, topic. No, thank you for that. Um, yeah, it's really important that we we constantly look at our perceptions and prejudices and and we we're constantly learning as as we go through our lives. So um, it's yeah, it's important that we we constantly reflect um, in this regard. Um, so question two, what can we do individually as practitioners? Um, 
I think, again, I can't speak for everybody, but from my own point of view and just thinking about it in general, um, I think it's understanding your privilege and everybody has privilege, whether you like it or not, um, to a certain degree. Um, and so if you understand that, you then understand maybe where your where your stereotypical um, prejudice is coming from. But also then once you know what that is, working on them and not just thinking, this is how I think this is just me and um, it's just working on your own unconscious biases um, and then thinking of ways to address that individually but I also think it's something that we need to be quite good on in terms of NHS and working in trust is that we need to start thinking of training that's becoming mandatory for all our staff and I think it's not just about in a in a office where you have like an e-learning you tick box that and that's it it's done it should be something that's ongoing but also something that is um inclusive and um with the time so things are changing all the time making sure that the training we do reflects that um and then also i think as educators maybe just talking and making um building supports and networking um so finding out how other people do it and not almost reinventing the wheel because i'm sure there's things that are out there but making sure that we talk to others and get support but most importantly, as educators, we do need to speak to our students and get that feedback again. So making sure that whatever we are implementing and whatever training we are implementing, we get a student voice on it um, and to see whether the training we're doing is actually reflective of what needs to be done. Um, and also making sure that it's actually relevant to students. Um, and then finally, I think one of the big things is that it's ongoing reflection and also ongoing feedback. So we are doing the training but we're also reflecting on ourselves and making sure that we're feeding back to students and vice versa to make sure that everything we are doing is actually effective otherwise we're kind of almost wasting our time and um, but what do you guys think yeah i would i would agree with the feedback i think that's a really important and valuable um kind of thing to to have to to be able to give insight into where things can change. Um, so thank you for those points made there, Sarah. Um, I think also understanding white privilege here from a research and, and from an individual personal perspective. Um, I've been using a book recently um, by a lady called Leila Saad called Me and White Supremacy, which I found to be a really useful resource um, just to gain a better understanding of my own unconscious bias as a white student. And I feel we, that we all have that individual responsibility to purposefully go out there and educate ourselves in this area for the benefit of being a more supportive and active bystander. And eventually, if we go into being a practice educator, being that practice educator that can facilitate that change as well. So what are your thoughts here, Eri Jura? Yeah, um, I feel like practice educators can absolutely benefit from individually researching about unconscious bias and understanding how to mitigate these experiences the student face while on placement. And as you said, Sarah, you have stated previously that there needs to be more done in terms of, you know, educating and um, providing resources for practice educator to facilitate change. So I absolutely agree with both of you. Um, yeah, so moving on to the next question, Sarah, what can we do collectively within the MDT team? Um, yes, thank you. So I think we, from starting from the beginning, we actually need to make sure that our MDT reflects our society. Um, and I think that's the only way we're going to be inclusive and that's the only way we're going to start thinking of these cultural um, competencies to make sure they're actually effective. But if, um, if we look at it, I can only speak from a heterosexual black woman born in Ghana um, and it's a second generation immigrant. That sounds like a lot of labels, but that's where my views will come from. And so somebody that was, um, I don't know, from um, 
uh, India who is an international student um, coming into a workforce like the NHS will have very different views on how things work culturally. And so, but if in a in a team, if her opinions were viewed and my opinions were viewed, we can then build a better understanding of each other. Um, because my my a lot of my background and a lot of my understanding will come from a West African culture, um, and they are similar. But again, I can't speak for um, a Nigerian person. I can't speak for someone from Togo. But we're all from West Africa, so I think it really then starts from making sure that our identity really reflects on um, the, the society, and then that might help trigger things like conversations on microaggressions and it not being so um, blatant and almost seem as a normalised thing. But I think that's the biggest thing we can start from and that starts from our workforce. But again, it goes back to students and who we recruit in into our students. And um, what do you guys think? Uh, that is absolutely spot on because personally, I think it's more about representation um, because when you see someone that looks like you, you feel a sense of belonging and having an MDT team that reflects our cultural society is very cu crucial, I think. And you said that you're from a second generation immigrant. I can personally relate to that because I'm also a second generation immigrant. And, um, you know, I have that perspective and I understand that I understand that ability to be more aware of the cultural differences. Um, for example, a fundamental part of my personal Nigerian culture in terms of maintaining eye contact when being spoken to by superior or older um, individual is regarded as being, you know, disrespectful because we kind of show respect by averting our gaze when being spoken to. Um, so when coming from that background to a Western culture, um, the expectation of maintaining eye contact when being spoken to um in the UK is seen as you being attentive and you being actively listening it kind of goes against my natural and um instinctive cultural norms so I absolutely agree with you on that thanks Valerie Jora and Sarah um so to summarize here Sarah what key points can you take uh, give us as um, a takeaway here um I think key points um Really and truly, as an educator, you, um, you're probably on the wards, you have a lot of clinical things to do and then obviously supporting a student. So I do think one of the biggest things is that um, understand that you're not alone. Um, a lot of other educators are thinking like you and thinking of how to best support um, students from all different backgrounds. I think one of the big things is making sure that you reflect on yourself and, and your practice as an educator as you go along. And then, um, as I said before, gaining feedback. But the most important thing I think is not reinventing the wheel. So using resources that are already there for you um, and then making sure that you have a good network around you. So um, it's, it means that meeting with other educators that are around the area or other educators that your university provides to, so then you can build a good network and um, just finding a, a way of a learning curve and almost um, a continuous learning curve, not just one kind of thing, I've done the training, I've, I've got a few feedback, I think I'm great at this. Actually, there might be things that might happen that you have no experience on, and that's absolutely fine. Um, but just working with our strengths and weaknesses. But yeah, those are my main key points. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah, for being here. We really do appreciate you. This has been very, very impactful and very educational. Um, and we also just want to thank our listeners back home for listening. Um, we really do appreciate you. 
Thank you. It's been really fun. Um, and just having these conversations has really opened my eyes as well, that things that I need to do. Um, but I, yeah, it was lovely talking to you both. So thank you so much. And thank you, Sarah. It's been lovely to have you here today with us. And it's been really interesting and insightful podcast. Um, so on that theme of feedback, we would like to direct you listeners to the um, QR code, which we have on the podcast poster um, below this podcast for you to participate in our evaluation um, form of this podcast. So we'd really appreciate that. So by completing the evaluation, you will be helping us to understand how useful this resource has been for you as practice educators. Um, you can also access previous podcast episodes for further resources um, that we have linked in our poster. We also are going to be having um, different links in the description below. So if you want to do any independent research, that is absolutely fine. Um, so we just want to say goodbye to everybody. It's been absolutely lovely speaking to you. And thank you again, Sarah, for being here. We really do appreciate you. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.